Happy Tuesday. This is the BBC World Service, and this is the another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes host examine the 1946 William Wyler film, The Best Years of Our Lives. <laughs> One minute of screen time per episode. I am Harold Wilson, a previous Prime Minister of the UK, and I'm going to introduce my co-host, the intrepid terror of the Kaiser, Captain Jim O'Kane. How are you, Jim? <laughs> Thanks, Harold. Uh, uh, doing good. Uh, and we I are thought back I'd mix with... it up. Uh, yes, definitely. <laughs> you set the scene perfectly. I mean, we're we're back in the bar with uh with the boys in uh, at, at Butch's place. And uh, having having a great a great minute here with uh, it's a it's a total total reunion and uh, the war's over, victory all around and uh, this is, gosh all all hugs and kisses for for most of this episode. Um, it is. And I'm uh, just I gonna do... key up my minute. Sorry, Jim. Hang on. Boom uh, boom nope. boom. Beautiful. No right, no we're problem. off. Yeah. So uh, I've got uh, uh, my. It's funny that this minute has caused me every time I drink. Oh, okay. To say, how am I doing after I finish my first sip? Because that's what, <laughs> if it's good enough for Homer, it's good enough for me. I just like saying, you, you say cheers and take a drink and turn to somebody and go, how am I doing? <laughs> I just, now, what, let's, let's break that down. What does he mean by that? Because he's using his hooks or he's just like, how, what's, he, what's the intonation here? It's, uh, I think he's saying it's, it's not quite sarcasm. It's just kind of hyperbole. He's just... <laughs> It's like most people saying how are you, most people when they're talking to you in a conversation you say how are you doing and he's saying how am I doing <laughs> so I just I just like that twist that that little turn that he's doing there and uh, and you know Butch is saying you're doing great kid it, it gives them it gives people a chance to give them a positive feedback and I wonder mm. I, I I don't have the script I don't have the original shooting script oh for this. god Dr- professional drunk and terror but, Frederick ah. March is here. <laughs> <laughs> I I just do wonder if the if if that's a Harold Russell line though if he came up with it himself saying how am I doing yeah but uh, he, yeah but but here's uh and and we get it's not a Gilligan cut this is uh, the Gilligan cut is when you go to something completely opposite but I, the words are barely leaving Fred's mouth when he says oh we'll never see him again and in through the door walks <laughs> Al and Millie and Peggy and boy is he drunk I... <laughs> these poor women again. How many? Ah. Have, what have I been? We're, we're on episode seven now. These poor women have been dragged from bar to bar, as I said before, for all last week, yes. and now we're in week two. Long yes, suffering. Yes, yeah, so they just had to suffer through an entire montage. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, here they are, and um, I I don't know if I if I if I told you this, but I used to be a a, a Philly bartender. I was in Philadelphia. I was a bartender for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things that you have to go through a you have to go through a course so you don't get sued of uh, what to what to look for when in your patrons while you're while you're plying drinks on them and uh phase one is your your stone cold sober when you get to well phase zero you're stone cold sober when you get to phase one uh the first thing to go is uh, the volume control because what happens is uh alcohol acts like an anesthetic on the uh, on on your nerves you get a tingly feeling and some of the smallest nerves in your body are in your eardrums so what happens is, is you become slightly deaf as you drink <laughs> and uh, uh, I was—I I never heard this before. But when you're taking through, going through this alcohol awareness course, uh, your your anesthetized eardrums make you talk louder. So, when you, if you want to be drunk, just act really loud. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, actually, one of the best 
I still think, I mean, he's not really famous in England, but uh, the best drunk performance I've ever seen from anyone, I think, is Foster Brooks. I think Foster he made Brooks. a career of it, didn't he, with like Dean Martin and stuff at all these roasts? Yes, but he was my great... God, tremendous. Yeah, that that uh, repeating the phrase oh. and burping in the middle. Yes, it's just <laughs> yes. not until uh, Rick and Morty, I think, brought that back. So it's... <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, he was brilliant. Really, really yeah. good. Best drunk acting ever. Or maybe the, the surgeon, the doctor that's in the back of the ambulance for, is it Cannibal Run 1? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was good as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're, we're, we're watching a great, a great performance by Frederick March here being uh, totally smashed. And uh, I do like his uh, snapping to attention kind of as he salutes his uh, officer, <laughs> his fellow officer in the Air Corps. Um, it just... Uh, just great watching watching the three of them cavort while uh poor millie and peggy have to uh he's he's yanking on harold's what's the thing around his neck the the kind of the the thing they wear across the shoulders uh sailors yeah it's a neckerchief i believe isn't that's it, it? Uh, he's, he's got his yeah. hand he's, he's he's white knuckling the grip on that he's like yanking <laughs> his head almost off his shoulders frederick march was <laughs> he's choking him to death. it's just yeah using him for using him for a banister yeah and, uh it, it, my favorite, my favorite uh, acting though in this is that there's a there's a separate two shot of Peggy and Millie standing up by the door, and Millie looks like this is gonna be a long, long night. She's just yeah, it's the, it's the same face they've had for every scene they've been in for the last week or two. <laughs> but yeah, but Myrna, Myrna Loy can do so much with an eyebrow and a pinched nose. It's right, just like, I think oh, she's my. silent here, isn't she? I think did we discuss uh, that last week? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there you amazing. go. Great eyebrow and, acting. Yeah, well, I think I was going to say, Jim, before I, uh, you're a big fan of the background of these scenes. Uh, who are the pictures of who on the wall? It's in the later part of the minute, I think, when they're all settled. I I don't know. I mean, to me, it looks like uh, presidents, maybe, or King King Edward, maybe. I just, yeah. yeah, it looks like town looks like fathers old... of the town they're in, or just maybe yeah. the relatives of the cast and crew. I don't Whatever know. was in the RKO uh, warehouse that looked like you know old guys from the. We well, use the... these in the mummy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It could be old pictures of Boris Korloff or yeah. Sydney Green Street or something, um, but just I'm, fascinating stuff. And uh, you know, I'm seeing two things. Well, you hardly ever see the the, the first thing. Uh, you see, you do see the pinball machines around occasionally. We but do in the, in the far distance an ancient cigarette machine. Um, yes. Which, uh, gosh, that was part of my childhood. Every every place you'd went, you'd have the you'd have the cigarettes with the knobs that you'd pull on, and if you yeah. had enough money in the things, and I had. As a child, I had many uncles and my dad who used to uh, smoke like chimneys, and uh, the big thing was getting getting on a stool and putting in fifty cents and getting a a pack of pulling the drawer out right yeah, yeah pulling I it out those. and having a a pack of Winston's land having that lap. lovely mechanical thing is it clicking and all that stuff like you're opening a safe then boom it drops into the thing yeah it was just, and yeah. and they had a bit the cigarette. It's had a mirror there, so you could watch yourself lighting up. I guess I never understood why the why they, why they had mirrors on the front. But so I look cool, like Jimmy Cagney. See, <laughs> practice my sticking it to the lower lip while you're talking. You know, so um, but yeah, just beautiful thing. And uh, I was trying to find out if there's any kind of a pinball uh, directory of movie pinball machines, but it's a little bit too far out in the background. I believe it's a Williams device. Williams was one of the major ones, along with Gottlieb. Mm. Um, but I believe it's an they early wouldn't be Williams. themed because I think a lot of pinball machines. If you go to like modern arcades, they are still around. There, oh, there's yeah. a lot of movie themed ones, isn't there? So I doubt that would have happened then. Would it just be a standard pinball machine, right? It would. It might have pictures, you know, like like beach bunnies or one of the one of the earlier ones. It could be baseball themed or a bowling alley, yeah. stuff like that. 
but uh, yeah, it's just beautiful. The mechan- the mechanics of it all, the tilt mechanism to prevent people from abusing the machines. Because they weren't electronic back then, were they? They were just right? no. They're all they were all electromechanical. They had big oh. relays and uh, giant. Um, you know, they, the thumper bumpers and things are very. Oh, very so they mechanical. were. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, oh, they, they were electrical, but it was electrically enhanced, so it had a lot of feedback mechanisms. The uh, rubber bands that were holding out the solenoids that would would tell you know when they could punch things out. Um, just uh, just brilliant, uh, brilliant stuff for the time. And a lot of them, like Gottlieb and Williams, uh, a lot of their equipment had been put on hold during the war because they were out making, you know, mechanical timers for uh, for bombs and stuff. So a lot of their a lot of their equipment. I know uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, great stories is Maytag. They're uh, the the rinse and spin cycles that all turned into timing mechanisms for uh, right. uh, for high explosives. So they went do. from pinball machine making to bomb making, or the other way around. Yeah, bombs oh, wow. you know, from pinball machines and and uh, washing machines into uh, making uh, bombs and torpedoes. Wow. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Here you are. That... It says that the tilt mechanism was invented in 1934 as a direct answer to the problem of players physically lifting and shaking the games. Yeah. So. Uh, the tilt debuted in a game called Advance made by Harry Williams. The first battery-operated machines appeared in 1933. Uh, and in 1934, the machines were redesigned with electric relay outfits, as you said, allowing for new types of sounds, music, lights. Oh, wow. So even as far back as like 85 years, there were electric pinball machines. That's very interesting. Yeah. And the uh, the pinball, the tilt mechanism was in- ingenious. If you've ever seen the inside of one of these early ones, what it was is you had a uh, basically like a, a metal... Swiss watch almost. So it, it was a, it, well. It was it was it was simple but clever. It was uh, an L bracket with a hole drilled through it. There was a mm. hole about about a two inch wide hole in an L bracket, and then through that there was a, another there, about a piece about a, a, like a, like coat hanger wire right. that uh, pointed through the center of that circle, and uh, it also made a turn and had a had a lead weight like a fishing weight on it. So if you tilted the machine, this. Uh, this metal piece, this metal piece of coat hanger, was pointing through the center of the hole. Would touch one of the sides of the mm. hole and short it out, and of course ignite or close the circuit and ignite the tilt <laughs> uh, sequence. But uh, clever, but fascinating. Yeah. The bumper came around in I think in 1937, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. Yeah, it's just a, it's just an amazing. I mean, we're we're coming up in the ninety and hundredth anniversaries of of these machines. Yeah. And uh, far, you know, far away from pachinko. So. Yeah. No. <laughs> but, I just it's almost a hundred years. That's quite fascinating. Yeah. I think yeah. Ballyhoo was the first iteration of this kind of thing as well. These tiny little uh, things. It says here. Yeah. So and almost and, like and, a Victor- be- it's like almost like a wooden box with a glass lid on it. So very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's a brilliant brilliant piece of uh, of craftsmanship and. You know, all the things like um, the, the way it added up uh, scores and stuff. The early, you know, it's basically an early computer. It would, it mm. would here, add four hundred to this and roll roll through. All that cash register technology would transfer over to a games program. And they'd be coin operated, right? That's how these machines would make money. You wouldn't win anything, would you? you just win the game, or you wouldn't win the game. Is that correct? It would, you wouldn't like right. like a, yeah, one but, of those gambling but machines. They they actually there was a back doorway of gambling on it. With what they would do is you could win free games. And uh, a lot of times, uh, places would uh, take it would quote unquote take the games off. So you, if you won five free games, uh, the manager of the of the arcade would come over and take the take your free games off and give you a dollar for you know you got or you got a quarter for a game or something. Okay. 
So, but you spent was, probably twenty dollars in uh, nickels and dimes trying to get it to to get to that, right? Right. But if you were good at it, you you know, it, it, you could say it was a skill game, and you were getting you were getting your money back and beyond. So, right. uh, eventually, New York City had such a problem with this that they outlawed uh, pinball machines. I believe in nineteen thirty four, thirty five. Damn. And they didn't come back until I would say the early seventies. It oh, was wow, okay. it, yeah, and and like they missed a lot of the early. You know the 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 seventies revival of arcade games. They missed they missed a lot of that in uh, New York City because they were simply illegal, and it took mm. a I think an act of the city council to allow. And this is illegal only, in bars only, or your arcades as well. A- anywhere there were no arcades. There, there was I, I'm sure online you can find pictures of New York City you know police authorities coming in and smashing pinball machines the way they would smash uh, beer barrels during prohibition. Yeah. Wow, God, so, uh, I didn't realize it was such a uh... Yeah, it was. It's wow. just they considered it insidious and a you know backdoor gambling. So, um, I just found them fun, but it was it was the thing. Um, but <laughs> he's anyway. got he's <laughs> young Jim okay in there gambling away, winning, <laughs> juking take, the system. <laughs> yes, take yes, take that beach beach bunny boom yeah. So, um, but it was yeah, just a it's it's fascinating to see this uh, this bar. I just I, I've. My dad used to. He was he was a member of the Elks Club here in uh, mm-hmm. in uh, upstate New York, and he was uh, he he wound up being the head of the Elks Club, the, uh, what they called the Exalted Ruler. Now, for a moron like me, what's an Elks Club? Is that a gentleman's uh, club? Is that like the Freemasons or what it's is a, it? Yeah, it's a it's a fraternal organization. There's many there were many fraternal organizations that set up in the eight, from the eighteen I'd say post war. Uh, VFW, the Elks, the Eagles, the uh, Moose, the uh, yeah, they're all dif- different fraternal organizations where people would get together and drink and talk about old times and stuff. Right. Okay. Um, and it was and what happened was they could set up bars and drink cheaply. So if you were a member, you could come in and buy beers for a quarter and stuff like that. So, oh, okay. Um, but my dad wound up being the quote unquote exalted ruler of the the local Elks club, and uh, he had to run the bar. And uh, this gosh, it's just so very familiar seeing this. I can remember being a kid and. Uh, you know, all the different types of uh, the rocks, glasses and pilsners and uh, all those ashtrays. Uh, and there's another there's another bit of forgotten lore is uh, the, the stacks and stacks of ashtrays that used to be available everywhere. Um, I was going to say the cigarettes then, were they as bad for you as cigarettes now? Because I think a lot of people say now the worst thing about the cigarettes themselves isn't necessarily the tobacco. It's the chemicals they put in to kind of addict you to them. It's well. It's, it was. It was no better. I mean, it was. No. You know, <laughs> they weren't. They weren't healthier for. They weren't. Well, I know because like the old yeah. Brenner and all those kind of stars yeah. of the day all died of lung cancer, of course. Yeah. But, uh, I don't yeah. Know. You, know, you know, John Wayne and things like that, and uh, Jack Webb. For heaven's sakes, he his Dragnet series was sponsored by Chesterfield cigarettes. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's, and these were like filter, not that the filters. I was going to say much. filterless, right? It was just breathing the, yeah, all fil- the smoke and yeah. the heat directly into your lungs. Just, yeah, just, ro- you know, rolling, rolling, rolled up pieces of paper and you're burning leaves and sucking in the, the fumes. <laughs> Snapping um, a tree branch off and just smoking it. That's how the Duke does it. <laughs> Don't wait for it to dry out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, it, but just seeing, it's, it's interesting. Well, I guess Steve is a good part bartender here because he does have nothing but clean, uh, ashtrays and this is late at night i yeah. mean he's they're, they're running pretty late so he's keeping clean trays all the time what's smoking that prevalent because i my mother because she's a smoker and she's like every movie star did it every glamorous advert there was like the you know that a beautiful woman or a handsome man holding the cigarette the smoke's yeah. curling up in all these old movies and stuff you were kind of 
hypnotizer yeah. encouraged to do it, it. was it really it was, like every other it, person in his dog it, was smoking it, it was ever and and remember that in all the k rations at least in the u.s you know the, the u.s infantry yeah everybody that was smoking was everybody was given uh with their with every Ration meal you, you got a yeah. pack of cigarettes you got uh, lucky strike green and, now was that a gov- government subsidy or some way or they yeah, kind of yeah, like, the, yeah the, okay the government the government put put them in they know that their their men needed a smoke they were under stress and they needed some of the unstress so they'd be sure. chuff, chuffing away wherever you know whenever possible wow that's a viz um, term i think is that an americanism chuffing yeah, away I, or is that british i i don't know i thought i, I think it's american <laughs> i you know chuffing like a like a locomotive basically yeah okay so it's, so, very, it's, it's very it's, like yeah it sounds british i agree i agree it's kind of a british <laughs> britishism it should I, be because i think someone who is it that smokes in viz and it's like chuff 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 every time they're smoking <laughs> for those that don't know viz is a kind of uh, british naughty is it like dark yeah, I, humored I, naughty I, comic of still available yeah, it's it's low it's low low uh, it's i think it was sid the low. sexist always smoking it's like the the, the butt the speech bug was chuff 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 that's why i picked up on it sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah viz for for american listeners is, is like national lampoon only not glossy it was very but much grottier a, yes yeah it's more like if uh, yeah if the national Enquirer had a uh, had had pushed uh national lampoon, comic. That's what, yes yeah that's, that's right so uh but anyway yeah the, uh, gosh there's just so much i can i can well, smell this place i can feel it i can you know <laughs> The stickiness of the floor and the, um, gosh, that uh, that Pilsner glass that he's got there. Uh, back when back when glasses needed uh, a particular, uh, there were particular types that were very different than what we use nowadays. I mean, nowadays mm. you're getting, you know, mugs of beer and things like that. Or, yeah. um, uh, but this this specifically was for Pilsner type beers. There was you're not seeing it in this in this particular view, but there's one from just after Prohibition, well, before and after Prohibition. They would actually provide beer glasses in four ounce glasses, and they were known as proper a proper glass. That was a proper glass for beer. They were called. That's not it. what Homer's got in this, though. No, no, it, uh, it's it's similar to the one that's neck. No, uh, Homer has a Homer has a Pilsner glass which holds yes. about ten ounces, but uh, the glass next to him may be a four ounce uh, proper glass. Sure. So, and out of that, out of a single bottle, not that you'd sell bot. This is they would not sell bottles of beer the, the way that we do now. They, no. You just it's on tap or nothing, um, but you'd fill out a four ounce glass of beer and give people four ounce glasses, so they'd be knock, knocking back four ounce glasses. Nowadays, you can get like big gulps of, of beer. Yeah, getting, I mean, back a, then was that to kind of regulate people being drunk and disorderly, or was it just just the way things were? There was a, was there a thought behind it? I think I think it was just mostly that it was it was priced reasonable, you know, for five cents for a glass of beer. Sure. And only there were only four ounces, so it's and you weren't going to get drunk that fast, especially if you're nursing a four ounce beer. No. So, uh, but, but I but, mean, yeah, back then you could have gone into a bar and got, uh, you know, <laughs> dr- what well, I was going to say, uh, S faced. There we go. Yeah. We'll yeah. There we are. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I bleep myself that time. <laughs> it would, it would take, yeah, it would take a bit. I mean, you wouldn't be getting the, uh, there is, uh, oh gosh, I thought that was a lager. The lagers, uh, were served in a round, they're almost spherical glasses, almost like a brandy snifter with a top cut off. Mm. Um, but it was, they were rounded glasses for some reason, Pilsner versus lager. I, I wasn't sure why they would serve. It's something to do with keeping it cool or not keeping it cool or, or exposing right. more of the head to air. There was, there's probably a whole science behind it of which is lost. I, well, guess, I think or... the modern glasses, there's, if you look at the bottom of a glass, there's a kind of frosted crisscross or almost like micro dots ground into the bottom of the glass, which generates the bubbles that keep the head, I think. Huh. Okay. I was yeah. not aware. Mo- mo- there's a modern oh. beer glass I've seen because I do like some bar work occasionally. There's the beer, the the bottom of the glass has a kind of almost uh, 
rough grounding oh, okay. like... pattern in the bottom of the beer glass so it kind of fizzes more it fizzes off that oh, kind okay. of edge it, design it, in the bottom it, of the glass it, yeah it keeps the head going oh neat. it does um, yeah and as you'll notice, there are no pint glasses. I mean, that, no. that was a British thing, and not not here. This was either well, you've four been to Britain, haven't you? Do you remember those pint glasses that are kind of like, almost like a tanker with little windows all around it? Very kind of look. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. A very bizarre. I always found those very bizarre as a child. <laughs> yeah, and uh, now can you? Do you still? They still serve by the half pint, I would think, right? Yes. Is, yeah. Okay. So basically, a cup of beer. Um, but it's uh, yeah, that was not a thing that carried over into the U.S. That this the, the type of glasses that we're seeing here was the was the more common kind that Pilsner uh, fluted yeah. type. Um, but uh, yeah, fascinating to see. And we're not seeing a co- cocktail glasses that didn't really come about until the later forties and fifties. Uh, you it might was have prohibition to... though. Prohibition would have been thirty three, so it would have been. So what would they have years. had cocktails in then? Yeah, they, they would have had, I, I don't know. He's got a, now he's got a shot measurer. He's got mm-hmm. the two-shot measure there, the ounce and the ounce and a half. If you go back to a second 25 on this, you're seeing the two-sided shot glass where you can get, second you either, 25. You, you, yeah. you can measure at the left at the left of the screen, you'll oh, yeah. see a two-sided shot I've got one of those glass, at home. And that is one ounce measure. on one side and yep. an ounce and a half on the other. That's it. And then uh, behind that, of course, is a classic shaker, the ice shaker. And yep. uh, I'm not sure if he's got an ice down the end there it's kind of difficult to see all what's i think that's, that's another shaker another setup for the, well there's a the kind line. of there's a basin for ice and champagne there's like a champagne chrome like silver cold yeah. looking thing isn't it? yeah so, something to ice down yeah something to ice down a bottle yeah so uh yeah but uh not you know it's, it's funny how much different it is from the bars that we're used to you're not seeing rocks glasses <laughs> and uh martini glasses and things like that and yeah. there's no cosmos being <clears throat> made Cosmos oh, well, cocktails were available back then, like 10, uh, 15. There must be more than that, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, typically, I, like the the drinks that became popular post war, well, had had kind of come up during Prohibition. The things like the Gibson, yeah. uh, the Martini, uh, all of the uh, Long yeah, Island Ice Tea is that much later? Yeah, I assume that was from yeah, that would have been, that would have been in the seventies, I think. Yeah. yeah, things like things like the Harvey Wallbanger. Yeah, um, screwdrivers, I think, were common. Um, it's just, you know, but there were, you know, I think with, with the rise of tiki culture, you, see, you start seeing these people not ordering just, the, you know, whiskey or scotch and soda. Space they would off start... the, the shape of the bottle or the cup it comes in, like Trader, is it Trader Vicks in the hills? Trader Vicks, yeah, yeah, Trader Vicks, that's right. Yeah, you get Mai Tais. And yeah. of course, a lot of people were coming back with this, with the Hawaiian culture, the tiki culture that they'd experienced when they were going through Pearl and stuff like that or in Polynesia. So it became, it became popular right around this when the war was when the war was finishing up you you might mix up a pitcher of martinis at home but the the idea of going out and getting a you know so, something far beyond a gin and ton, you know a a a base and a mixer that yeah. was about the most complicated cocktail so um just uh, yeah fa- fascinating fascinating drink drink mixology uh, oh, to for look sure. yeah. to look at in here there's a little roof on top of the uh what is yeah, it? The bar as well yeah, with little yeah, little, little awning, yeah, it, uh, like a little indoor outdoor thing. Um, it's uh, it, oh gosh, and one thing we haven't well, we'll talk I about that tomorrow. I wonder what color it is. I wonder what color it is. It's almost like pinstriped, isn't it? Like almost like a a circus type deal or a kind of candy candy store kind of cart. Yeah, I was thinking of some kind of like springtime thing. Like the base yeah. might be green and the yeah. and the white with the uh, the overlapping what looks like tongue depressors. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it could be green and white. It could be any color, but it's just... <laughs> yes. 
Uh, and there, we'll talk about more of this tomorrow, but as, as we get to the part where uh, Butch is setting up a table for them right behind them, it's a mm-hmm. classic, classic Wurlitzer jukebox. But we'll, we'll, we'll oh, chat nice. more on, on that tomorrow. Before but. we sign off, one more question, Jim. Homer's hooks at the start when he picks up his beer, he flips his claw around or his hooks. Uh, one, they're both different. One appears to be rubberized and the other is plain metal. Uh, I guess they kind of I, I so don't you don't crush anything. It's like a uh, a cushion on the on the yeah, hook. So you're not scuffing up the glass, perhaps. I, yes. I guess. Um, but yeah, it's interesting how they can yeah, he can he can alter the uh, the stiffness. I think of of how he's holding stuff. This is true. Yes. And uh, interesting watching him pick that up by uh, you know of course he's he's lifting with his right arm, so that means that he's pulling with his left shoulder. And uh, as as I'm watching him, I, I just I, it's it's fascinating to watch him raise his right shoulder to pick the clothes on that glass. It's a brief scene, but um, God knows what was what he was actually drinking in that beer just to keep the head on it. It, it looks like there's like a rim of ice of, of salt or something, yeah. some kind of foam that's you know. And he just, he didn't choke or gag when he had to give the line of how am I doing. Ah, just, well, uh, there we have it, folks. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's show. We've cut it a bit short today, but uh, we thought, uh, you know, if we give you a bit of a rest and we'll, we'll come back with an extra bumper show tomorrow uh, on Wednesday, of course. Oh, no, there's a new transmission coming through. Hang on. Oh, thank you for listening. This is the BBC World Service again. And uh, this has been the Best Minutes podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. And uh, you can find us also at the main site at bestminutes.com, even though that's not been invented yet because it's 1935. Thank you for London London calling there. We'll, <laughs> we'll see you here tomorrow on, on, the best you. Minute, on the Best Minutes podcast. Over and out. Over and out, folks. We love you, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow Wednesday. Thank you. Hey, Joe, you better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor.